So 1 Kings 8 verse 54. When Solomon had finished all these prayers and supplications to the Lord, he rose from before the altar of the Lord, where he had been kneeling with his hands spread out towards heaven. He, he stood beside, but he stood and blessed the whole assembly of Israel in a loud voice, saying, Praise be to the Lord, who has given rest to his people Israel, just as he promised. Not one word has f- failed of all the good promises he gave through his servant Moses. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our ancestors. May he never leave us nor forsake us. May he turn our hearts to him to walk in obedience to him and keep the commands, decrees and laws he gave our ancestors. And may these words of mine, which I have prayed before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God day and night, that he may uphold the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel according to each day's need. So that the so that all the peoples of the Lord sorry, so that all the peoples of the earth may know the Lord is God and that there is no other. I'm just gonna read that verse again. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is no other. And may your hearts be fully committed to the Lord our God to live by his decrees and obey his commands as at this time. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Um, my name's Nick. I'm a trainee vicar at Cranmer Hall. I've been with you for some time now. Uh, it's been great to be with you. I, I'm faffing, trying to get that. That's it, it's in now. Um, been great to be with you. I've been with you since the back end of September. You may or may not have remembered, noticed that, but I have been here. Uh, and it's just been lovely to worship with you week by week and spend time with you uh, in some of the groups um, that I've been able to join in with over the time that we've been here. This is a great place. This is a great church family. Um, and there is so much to be grateful for. We've been thinking over the last uh, few weeks about being family on a mission. Um, that's what we're going to continue to think about um, as we explore what it is to be family, what, it is, what is this mission thing that we're on, and how we go about it together. But before I go any further, can we pray? Is that all right? Father God, we want to say thank you. We want to say thank you for who you are. We want to say thank you that you have drawn us here this morning. Lord, would you speak to our hearts this morning? Would it be for your glory? Would we go from here living and active for you? Lord God, would you work in our hearts through the power of your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. And so this morning we're thinking a little bit more about that idea of being family on a mission and thinking about something of how we incarnate who God is. And I think I've got a first slide here which just has a terrible pun on it. Yes, so uh, here we are. Uh, Family on a mission, mission, us incarnate. That's a can of carnation milk. 
It somehow incarnates milk, but it is not milk. If you're my age, you might put it on jelly and remember it from when you were a kid. If you're younger than that, this has no cultural resonance whatsoever. <laughs> this, this is a very poor dad gag, so I apologise. But the idea this morning is that we're thinking about how we incarnate something of who God is. To incarnate something means that you embody it somehow, that it, it, you represent it, you personify it to some extent. I like the idea that being incarnate means that we image forth, we bring forth the image of God in who he is in our lives. And at Christmas we use this word, don't we? We remember that Jesus is God incarnate, God with us. He is the image of the Father. But as Christians and as a church, we are sent into the world to personify, to bring God's image into the world. And we'll be using that passage from uh, 1 Kings in a moment uh, to look at what it means and what it did mean to those people and what it means for us, what it looks like for us to bear something of his image. It might be helpful if you have that passage available to you. Uh, If you have a Bible or you can tap to it, uh, 1 Kings chapter 8. I believe people tap to it these days. I'm too old for that. Um, Just those verses that we looked at from uh, verse 54 of chapter 8 of 1 Kings. In many ways, what we've looked at in this reading is Israel's high point in history. They have a wise king. Solomon was the wisest of kings. They had peace in the land. He brought peace with him. They had economic prosperity that had enabled them to build a temple which was one of the wonders of the world. From this high point, it was a downward spiral for the people of Israel. But we lose the significance of the temple for Israel. This was to be the dwelling place of God on earth. The place where his people could come and meet with God. It was a building that was to speak of his grandeur and his glory. There was so much gold and bronze used outside and with inside the building that it would have blazed in the Middle Eastern sunshine. It would literally radiate. It may well have actually been hard to look at sometimes. And certain parts of it that were overlaid with bronze or covered in gold might have been hot to the touch. Why would you build a building? Why would you build a structure that was very possibly dangerous to your health? Well, sometimes buildings speak. I don't, I don't mean that you can have a conversation with them, but you know they tell a story like this next slide of this stone staircase. I think it's going to come up any minute now. There you are. A stone staircase. Look, it tells a story of, of thousands of steps over hundreds of years, of people traveling up and Well, actually not traveling down, if you look at that. It looks like they go up, but they never come... I don't know where they're going. Um, It tells a story. It speaks. And the temple was to be such a building. It was to speak of the awesome holiness of God. It said you could approach God 
in the temple. You could get close to him. It spoke of his invitation to you to know him. The building was incarnational. It represented God. It embodied him. Through it, God was drawing you into his dwelling place. But you needed to do it with care. You needed to do it with reverence, and you needed to do it with awe. And you needed to do it in the way he said. So the temple was an invitation from God to come back and to live in the freedom of his reign and rule in our lives. It was to act as an invitation to all people to orientate their lives towards him. Did you read that? Did you hear that verse in verse 60? So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is no other. It was an invitation to all peoples to orientate their lives to him, to create space for him, so that he can begin to work in us and free us from the fears and worries, the distrust and the broken relationships that life otherwise accumulates. The temple said that God wanted to dwell with his people. He wanted them to represent who he is, to bring forth his image into the world. Do you know it was designed to be like a garden, like a new Eden, where people could come from everywhere and walk with God again, like they did in the beginning, to begin to orientate their lives towards him. We often make the mistake, don't we, of thinking that the Old Testament, only the Jewish nation was called by God. And it is quite clear that they were a special people. They were uniquely chosen by God. They would represent God and draw all people to worship him. And that was to be their function. They were to live with different priorities to those of the other nations. Their ethical life, their civic life, their family life, their faith life, every area of their life, their personal and corporate lives were to be ordered and prioritized in a way that stood out from the other nations. Their whole lives were to be orientated around and through and within their worship of God. It stood out, this distinctiveness stood out as a testimony to God and who he is. To demonstrate the harmony and the wholeness that was always intended for human life in God's world with God's companionship. And here in these verses we see Solomon expected that those outside Israel would be drawn to God by the attraction of the people's life and their worship and by their story and by the temple and the story it told. Just flick back with me to a few verses before what we've read today. In verse 42, Solomon says this, For they, the peoples of the world, will hear of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm. Then they will come and pray towards this temple. You see, Solomon expected that the lives of the people of Israel would be somehow orientated towards God and would draw people in. 
the expectation is that because of the lives that we live, the people lived, and the story they tell, the story the temple told, that all the nations would be attracted to God. The people would bear forth God's image into the world. They would incarnate him. And that's always been God's way. He has always sought out a people who would live and work for him in their day-to-day lives. In Jesus, God again made his dwelling place among us, among those who choose to order their lives around God's priorities. We've read this morning from John chapter one, and we'll just briefly look at it again. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection and ascension, God makes it possible for all of us to live in relationship with him. Knowing that we're a forgiven people because of the cross. Because Jesus paid the price to earn the forgiveness, to earn our forgiveness, so that we could be drawn back into relationship with God. It was all God's work, and it always has been. It was always his plan to draw us, to dwell with us, to, so that we could be his people, so that we could be his treasured possession, and so that we could be his representatives his witnesses on earth. In Acts 1, chapter 8, we see the Holy Spirit fall on God's people. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Folks, as we live our lives... Seeking to make God's priorities our priorities. Seeking to listen to his voice... We reveal him to the world that does not know him. We do this through the lives that we live. And just as the temple spoke of who God is, just as that structure spoke of his awesome holiness, his love, his grace, his mercy, his justice, so our lives should radiate who he is. We need to ask, how do we embody how, do we, how is it possible that we can represent something of who God is? Sometimes the weight of that falls on us. But the wonderful thing is that, that God wants to use us. He wants to use you in your everyday world. Whether it's taking the kids to school or working in a school. Whether it's working in a job you love or in a job you hate. He wants to use you. He wants you to be his image in that place, to radiate for him in all that you do. Look, he wants Nick Murray to be the best version of Nick Murray I can be because that's the version of Nick Murray that he's always intended me to be. By living with the awareness of his presence in my day-to-day, That's how I can live with, how I live with greater awareness of who his, of his presence in me. How do I do that? By praying, by reading my Bible, by meeting with other Christians, by looking for opportunities to share something of the hope in Christ that I have. 
that's how I bear his image. The truth is, it feels like we're the ones choosing sometimes. We're the ones that have to wake up an extra 15 or 20 minutes early to read our Bibles or pray. That we're the ones that are summoning up the courage to say something bravely to somebody who we know is not a Christian. But the truth is that it's God working in us. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we wake up early to read our Bibles. We're, we're incapable of doing anything outside of that power. Those everyday miracles of our choices sparked by the Spirit working in us means that we can embody and radiate something of God's nature. It's the Holy Spirit wanting to work in us so that we can draw closer to Jesus and the Father. The Spirit sets in us the motivation, the desire, the will to be changed and then goes to work to change us. Making us, making it our desire to be more like Christ. Growing our motivation to be a blessing and to bless. You see, God has always had his representatives on earth, his agents, his embodiment and incarnation. One writer put it like this, uh, part of the mission of God's people is to have God so much at the center of who they are and what they do that there is this centripetal force, God's own gravitational pull that draws people into his sphere of his blessing. Have you ever thought that you're a conduit of God's grace in your day-to-day life? Whatever it is that you're doing, God wants to work in that, use that, so that he can draw others into the sphere of his blessing. Look, I know we do that badly. I know we, we don't live the attractional lives that we should be living. I know I don't. I know I don't love God as I should. We don't seek to bless others like we would like to. And we know we are a really poor reflection of who he is in our lives and the work that he has done. We know that we bear his image badly. And we know that God really doesn't need us to do his mission. He's perfectly capable of doing his mission by himself without us. But he chooses us. He chooses us to work in us. He chooses to do it with us. Because he wants to be with us as we try. He wants us to be drawn closer to him as he works in us and through us and by us. Years ago when my son was little, there should be another slide now, um, he would come out and help me wash the car. And there's the kids washing the car. Uh, they're neither that little or that helpful now. Um, so we would go and wash the car, a bit of father-son bonding time, you know. 
And one time he, he put his sponge, he was probably only about three years old, uh, you've got this to come. Uh, <laughs> he put his sponge in the bucket and as he picked out the sponge, it was slippery and wet and it slipped through his chubby little fingers, splat onto the ground. And he picked it up from the ground and with the side that had hit the ground, went straight onto the car and went screechy, screechy, screechy down the side of the car. There was nothing I could do. It was one of those moments where you went in slow motion and you just had that kind of thought process of, no, don't shout. That's not going to be a good thing. <laughs> and if I had done that, if I, you know, I'd have been better off doing the car myself. I'd have been better off cleaning the car. I wouldn't have had a scratch on the door for three years. I, did, I didn't need him. But if I'd done it without him, I wouldn't have had the the fun of spraying him all over with the hose pipe later on. Or accidentally throwing water over the car and splashing him in the process. And all of the giggles and all of the fun that came with that. God is drawing us closer to him. He's calling us to orientate our lives more and more towards him. Asking us to give up our rebellion and live under his reign and his rule. Trusting him that, trusting that he might know better than we know ourselves what's good for us. He wants to wash the car with you because he delights in you. even when you get scratches all down the door. He wants you to join in with his mission. He wants you to be his dwelling place, to incarnate something of who he is through the lives that we live. He wants to draw people into the sphere of his blessing through you, through your life, through your work, through your ministry. It's all he's ever wanted. We're going to close in a minute with a prayer that Paul prayed uh, over the people in Ephesus. And it's going to come up on a slide, but when I was leaving the house this morning, I was you know, mulling over what I was about to say, and it struck me that quite a lot of what we're talking about is our discipleship. It's how we walk with God. And some of us here are hearing this for the first time and hearing this encouragement to come and join God in his mission. Perhaps you've never made the step of becoming a Christian. Perhaps you don't know what it is to have the Holy Spirit in your life. If that's you, find someone with the green lanyard. But I've got a book with me today. It's just a little book. It's called Sunny Side Up. It's written by a great guy called Dan DeWitt. And If you want this book, you can have it on the basis that you promised to meet me in three weeks' time and I'll buy you a burger and fries. I've already got an appointment with you to buy you a burger and fries, so this is an extra one. This little book is just a short little book that might encourage you to draw closer to God. Can I encourage you to come and speak to me and grab that book? 
If you don't know what it is to have Jesus living in your life, you want to know something of how you can begin to radiate Jesus, come speak to me. We'd love to hear from you. As I close, let's pray this prayer. Can you read that? Is that okay? Okay, great. Can we pray it together? It's an adaptation from Ephesians, but can we pray it together? Let's just pray. We pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen us with the power of his spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And, sorry, (laughs) I tell you what, I'll just pray it, you can read it. How's that? Okay, that might work better. We'll go again. We pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen us with the power through his spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And we pray that we being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.